What the If is brought to you by listeners like you, thanks to our Patreon members, patreon.com slash whattheif. Go there now and find out how you can become a member and get all kinds of cool rewards. And thank you for supporting our mission for science education and science fun. Welcome to What the If. Annoy the Astronomer Edition. Drive them crazy. That's just a tease. That's just a tease. Uh, Matt, you were going to say something. I could no, so astronomers are fairly easy to, to irritate. Because <laughs> um, everything has to be just so, and if things are too bright or too loud or too dark or not loud enough. Um, there's a reason they isolate themselves on top of mountains. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. I remember one of the coolest things I saw, just a just tiny little detail about visiting observatories. Um, I remember once visiting an observatory in the daytime, and there was like a little hut, and that's where the astronomers, or really more the astronomy assistants, because the astronomers you know, now have all kinds of remote ways of using the telescopes but the astronomy assistant the, the ones who had to actually maintain the telescopes at night they had this little hut where they all sleep and there was a there was a little sign that said shh astronomers sleeping i was like that's cool I thought that was that's cool detail um that's just a tease by the way that's just a tease for our if which we will get to in a moment um but um we had we had quite an event we had a a uh, historic event yesterday gabby would you like to tell people what it was yeah we actually finally met each other well i mean matt and <laughs> phil know each other but <laughs> yeah. for the entire time that i've been on the podcast it's been the pandemic basically yep. so despite doing this show every single week i hadn't actually met matt and phil in person and we all live in the same city too it's not like i had to get a plane ticket like right. we are all in like a 30 minute radius of each other and just had not ever met up. Yep. Um, so it was great. I have proved at least to more of a reasonable doubt that I haven't been tricked by two aliens who are really good at deep fakes <laughs> yeah. uh, for the past couple of years. That's right. Um, unless like they're also really good at piloting androids, at which point I am still free. Yeah, it's all over them. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Actually, Matt, you also had a good idea. What was it yesterday you were saying? Well, what? So th 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 maybe Gabby had just been a, an elaborate virtual being, and she would just show up as a an iPad strapped to a, a little <laughs> tractor or something. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. But no, it turns out we all appear to be human, and uh, we had a wonderful Thai food lunch in um, in the Union Square area of New York City. It was a blast. Yeah, and it's good fun. And what was it, Gabby, you were saying before the show, there was a funny thing about. Oh, just that, like, we normally have to, like, can our conversations and be like, okay, what are we doing today? Like, eventually, eventually get to the show. Right. Um, so it was nice not having to do that. I, although I did have, like, a moment of, like, okay, you know, this is normally the 15-minute mark where we start talking about, you know, what we're going to do today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, and, uh, yes, I I had a, uh, Matt, I don't I think you weren't on before the show when I was saying this, but, uh I had this crazy thing in the back of my head constantly as I was talking. I was thinking, oh, God, I sound exactly like I do on the show. <laughs> yeah. I laughed and I was yeah. like, oh. Also, because I, you know, because I do the sound mix for the show afterwards and whatever minimal editing we do. And so I'm used to hearing it over and over again. And I was like, oh, God. 
tired of hearing our voices. Yeah. I'm tired. No, just my own. <laughs> so um, let's get to the ifs. One, it comes out of our uh, historic lunch yesterday. The uh, the historic what the if summit that uh, took place in New York City just after the United Nations summit. Mm-hmm. You know, so coincidence in, yeah. in keeping. No <laughs> and um, uh, that was we were talking about how um, there are more and more satellites floating over the Earth. And I can't remember, uh, Gabby, were you saying you had seen one or you were talking about the Starlink, uh, not yeah, tel- so did I say telescopes? Satellites. Yeah, anyway. so it's not, yeah. it's not that I had seen one. It's a, a sort of weird accidental quirk of Starlink because right, they're the first to be doing this. Right. Um, so they've discovered a lot of stuff by trial and error. And one of the things that happened was there was some like, aluminum component on an antenna which at like just the right angle would reflect the sun mm-hmm. and so it was messing up like like amateur astronomers started reporting like all these like weird stars or whatever like what is this that i'm seeing and it turns out it's starlink satellites that yeah. were like at the perfect angle just like reflecting um the sun and it's not you know all the time that you know you've got this like pinprick beam of light um but it happens enough sometimes um, that astronomers have been a little pissed because some of their readings have been messed up. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like fireflies or something, I imagine. Like every once in a while you see one, but but it d- destroys, you know, your 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 photograph. Uh, Matt, why why would that why would astronomers be annoyed? Ah, it's just a little satellite. Oh, so there's um I mean the the most straightforward thing is that the um satellites are in the way. Um, and they're in, um, the things like Starlink are in low earth orbit, um, which means they occupy a relatively big chunk of sky, even though they're physically small. So, you know, you Uh can imagine that, right? If you hold your hand right in front of your eye, it blocks everything you can see. But if you hold your hand far away, um, then it only blocks a little bit. So things that are close, even if they're small, um, uh, block out bits of the sky and the, um, uh, and they're also in motion, um, and most astronomical images have exposure times um, in seconds or sometimes minutes or hours for really faint stuff. So that means um, if a small satellite crosses your uh, field of view during that exposure time, you get a big streak across your whole image. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's very easy to, uh, to ruin um, the thing you're looking at. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And, and you're, you're uh, in, I would say, this is not maybe how astronomers would discuss it, but photographers might, you're zoomed in enormously, mm-hmm. right? Your telescope is zoomed way in. So you can imagine if you zoom, imagine, you know, if you've, li- let's say you've looked through binoculars and you're, you're looking at, uh, I don't know, um, you're looking at... Uh, your neighbor. Your neighbor, and but they're really far away, and then somebody walks past, or a car drives past. You know your binoculars. You know much closer to you than the neighbor you were looking at. The whole image is like you know. Yeah, that's up. right. I mean, I don't know how many selfies of Washington Square Park I have ruined over the years because <laughs> I'm just walking from place to place. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. at any given time, there's a dozen tourists setting up their selfies. Um, right. And w- once upon a time, when they were less common, I would I would wait or walk around somebody, and now I just can't get anywhere. So that's right. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's just a it's a persistent web of uh, photos being taken. 
Um, so essentially, Starlink satellites and the other ones, which we'll get to in a moment, uh, these satellites that are flying overhead, and there's more and more of them every day, um, are photobombing astronomers, mm-hmm. and they're they're naturally you know naturally annoyed. It'd be fun if um, you know uh, I can imagine being in the space station, let's say, and you have a friend on the ground who runs an observatory. Uh, you could say, you could say, take a selfie of me. Oh no, it wouldn't be a selfie. You can't take astronomy, astronomy selfies. That way you would need a pretty massive selfie stick. (laughs) Uh, well, that's right. Um, uh, uh, but I should say there are satellite spotters out there too, like people whose hobby it is to take pictures of particular satellites as they go overhead too. Yeah. Um, uh, but the astronomers are cranky about it. Yeah. 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 It is weird when you realize you can see a satellite. I, I had this mm-hmm. happen before where like all of a sudden you see this thing like very faint and go by like very fast and you're like, yeah, oh, what the hell was that? And then like, because I, I don't know if I've ever seen a shooting star in my life, but I've definitely seen a satellite, yeah, um, yeah. which is kind of strange. One is a natural phenomenon and the other one is something we put up there. Um, but I've definitely seen one more than I've seen the other. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a good point. In mm-hmm. fact, I've the, as a testament to how many of them there are up now, I've seen them from New York City. Even, yeah, you know, yeah. there are apps you can yeah. get, which will tell you when when one is going to be flying overhead. Iridium was one of the first oh, that's right. massive yeah. networks mm-hmm. of um, satellites that was going up. And, um, yeah, you were going to say, Matt. I was just going to say, so, I mean, one of the, the things that's different about um, Starlink and similar things is that there are clusters of satellites. So it's not just one satellite that's up there right, um, right. zooming past, uh, but when... Starlink gets in your way, you'll have dozens of these um, all swarming through your field of view. Right. Um, right, right. So that's uh, so that's extra inconvenient. Right. Yeah. You can't even just wait for a moment until they pass. Right. And many of them are following the same path, and they're crisscrossing paths. Even I believe you know um, probably at different altitudes. I'm guessing. Uh, presumably, yeah. I don't know. The, yeah. But you would see a str- you know it'd be one, and I, I don't know with what frequency, but it'd be. They would constantly be going through this point of view, and if you're an astronomer and you're look, you you need to look at this particular patch of sky that suddenly has a satellite highway, essentially going through it. That would that would really be uh, quite annoying. Um, and so we get to our our if this week, we and we always announce it with great fanfare. But before I do, Matt, would you like to explain what's what is the fanfare announce exactly? Uh, the fanfare announces the. Uh, change in reality uh, that we will be bringing in, um, uh, and then we'll spend the rest of the episode pondering the consequences of that change in reality. And we usually learn some science along the way, um, yeah. but generally we uh, we cause some chaos. So it's just kind to the alternate universe that we are all, um, changing uh, by announcing it with the fanfare. So then, yeah, we we give a little prelude, right? We say mm-hmm. to the universe, yeah. "Get ready," and we say That's to our right. We say to ourselves, get ready, because here it comes, and we ask, what the if? There was a satellite satellite bonanza. What if the satellite bonanza got completely out of control? More and more satellites going up. Elon Musk is sending up a bunch. I think Amazon is sending up a bunch. Everybody's sending them up. 
who knows how many private companies sending up more and more satellites crowding the sky. Before long, it's going to be like, is, and, and I never know the proper pronunciation of this planet, but Corcassant? Corcassant. Coruscant. Coruscant. You say Coruscant. I say Coruscant. Let's call the whole thing off. Um, <laughs> uh, Gabby, could you explain what is Coruscant for those who have no idea? Oh, it's it's just a Star Wars planet that is like the entire thing is is a city. Like multiple yeah. layers of city all the way down and then up again. Yeah, yeah. And Matt, what do you, you know, how how is it visualized? So for those who have never seen Coruscant um, or don't remember, maybe they don't read they're like Star Wars. Oh, yeah, so much so in Star it's, Wars. Yeah, it's um the entire surface of the planet is um is concrete and light. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty and eerie. Um, but I think that's not quite what we're doing today because we're interested in the satellites getting so thick true, that you true. can't see through it, right? So true. it's not the, the surface of the planet. Right. When um, I, uh, just to be clear, what I was thinking of was how, you know, as we all know, when you're in the Jedi Temple, when the last time I was mm-hmm. in the Jedi Temple, the view out the window is of... It's pretty spectacular. Yeah. Un, un, just huge traffic jams of essentially flying cars. I mean, it's, it's, I think, I think Coruscant, the planet is modeled after the movie Metropolis, for instance, or, you know, any, any of the early sci-fi movies where the sky is filled with, um, flying ships, you know, or like the Jetsons or something like that. And, um, they're traveling and essentially, you know, all following each other. It's kind of highways in the sky. And there's so many that you really can't even see the sky or the sky is just, it's like a swarm, like a swarm of ships. And so, yeah, we're imagining not the swarm of ships uh, at kind of uh, terrestrial levels or at our the height of our human buildings, but going overhead. Um, another sci-fi example, um, we had uh, the great uh, sci-fi writer uh, Alistair Reynolds on recently again and um in his books some of his books um i think it's in the revelation space universe series um he has uh, a concept um there's a, a planet that has uh what he calls the glitter band so uh he imagines all these satellites um some of which are habitable and space stations and and some of which are space elevators but all that kind of stuff but imagine a ring around the planet but unlike being a ring of saturn which is sort of a natural phenomenon of ice it's all artificial craft overhead which would block out the sky um so uh, right now as annoyed as the astronomers are uh, it's not really apparent to people um, that there is this swarm of satellites circling the Earth. Although if you look at a map of it, if you get one of these apps or if you just Google you know, uh, orbiting satellites or something like that uh, to see a diagram of it, it is astounding how many there are compared to only a decade ago, right? Yeah, um, that's right. There's huge numbers, and as you say, increasing rapidly. Um, yeah. Uh, but even uh, at the moment, like if you went up into low Earth orbit, you could hang out for a very long time without encountering one, right? There's still right. lots of space. Um, right. But, you know, let's say, um, you know, access to to orbit gets cheap, dramatically cheaper. Um, yeah. And people are really into these swarm satellites these days. 
Yeah. Um, so that suggests we're going to be putting a lot up there very soon. Yeah. Yeah. Question for either of you. Do you know what, what's the point of these satellites? I think people might be asking that. Why, why, what, what is Elon Musk trying to achieve by putting up all these satellites? What do they do? Uh, well, Starlink in particular is um, uh, an internet access point. Ah. Um, so you know how uh, your router in your apartment is in one room, and then you walk to the next room, and the connection gets crummy. Right. Um, and then when you walk out the front door, your connection drops entirely. It's just because the, the line of sight between you and the router is blocked. Um, so yeah. the signal can't get through. Yeah. So uh, if you put your router in the sky above you, then you can always see it. Um, so if, and orbit is where you keep things perpetually above you. So the idea is if you put enough of these uh, satellite routers into orbit, there's always one above you, no matter where you are on the planet or what yeah. you're doing. Um, and I should say this is they they launched um, Starlink a little early, actually, because uh, Musk, I should say, of whom I am generally not a fan, but this is a great move oh. he had um, as uh, he put it up early. So folks in the Ukraine would have an uninterruptible Internet connection. Um when and, you say early, you mean this is before the war in Ukraine? Yeah, that's right. He put it, I think, if I remember right, a few months early. They, were, they weren't planning on putting it up just yet. Um, uh, but then the war started, and he said, you know, it might be handy to have an internet connection that the Russians can't interrupt. Interesting. Um, and the folks in Ukraine, particularly eastern Ukraine where it's uh, occupied, um, yeah. have uh, been extremely grateful for this. Huh. Um, and it seems, and they've said so explicitly, and it actually looks like the um, uh, the folks who are uh, rebelling in Iran right now um, have similar views. Um, that is, the government is trying to cut them off from communication. Um, wow. But if you have, if your internet connections are in orbit, then um, they can't do anything about that. Right. So this is a huge social change. Go ahead, Gabby. No, I was just going to say. I think I think they were launched before. I think it was the the turning on the systems. Was oh, that it? Okay, that's yeah. Because the first, yeah. the earliest Starlink satellite I see. So I have a map up, um, cool. and it's the first one I see just clicking around is like June of 2020. Um, so they've been uh -huh. going up for uh -huh. a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, by the way, they, it's really cool when they get launched. I mean, first of all, the rocket, I, I find any rocket launch cool. So uh, I, I will confess that they're a little cooler when people are on them, but nonetheless, the, um, when the satellites, uh, when the, uh, uh, the rocket gets into orbit and then opens up what they call the fairing, the cone, is detached. Um, there, the they expose the satellites that are going to be pushed away from the rocket, and they almost look like um, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's almost like a ice tray <laughs> that you might have in your freezer, you know, they or, or the satellites out of that. Actually, <laughs> actually, you know what? A better a better example would be Christmas lights, but it's a solid. Obviously, it has a solid spine. And then there's just zillions of these little satellites all attached in multiple rows, or you know, surrounding this thing, or a corn corn on the cob. That's actually the best way to describe <laughs> it. It's like corn on the cob, and every satellite is one of the kernels of the corn. And then, and then in you know, in sets, I don't know if it's one at a time or you know, a couple at a time, um, they detach, and then they have little rockets on them that take them. To where they're going and you can imagine how complicated that is oh yeah and then you have satellites stuck in your teeth for like 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, by the way, they're better with butter and salt. I think. And Old Bay. Come on, Maryland represents. Old Bay, yeah. <laughs> oh, you just made me want to go get stuff. <laughs> um, uh, however, they, uh, the, they are reflective. They have to be ref- Matt, why do they have to be reflective? What makes them reflective? How well, are we I should say you, you don't actually have to make them reflective. That's just convenient ah. to do. <laughs> because, oh. <laughs> um, uh, metal is um, a, a good stuff. Good, it's relatively light and strong, so it's good things to, to make satellites out of. Yeah. Um, uh, and metal is reflective. Um, but things, if your satellite is a communication satellite, like a, an internet router, um, right. it needs to have an antenna on it because it needs to be able to catch your signal and then send it back down again. Um, So that does have to be able to, to catch light um, and reflect back. Uh, So that's a bit of a pain in the ass. Uh, There's no reason you can't, you know, paint your satellite black if you want to be all goth about it. Um. (laughs) Oh yeah. I'm surprised Elon doesn't do that. Or, 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 you know, actually Elon Musk's ships are all white and they look very 2001 like mm-hmm. 2001 Space Odyssey, which I think is very cool. But um, uh, I can imagine, therefore, um, what's his name? Jeff Bezos going black, you know? Yeah, I can just to, yeah. just, to, <laughs> just, to, just to do it. Um, I don't know how, if you guys know this, but um, the, uh, the concept of satellites is said to be invented by the science fiction writer Arthur C. Clarke. Well, specifically communication satellites, yeah, and that's yeah. that's true. He holds or held; he's dead now. Uh, the yeah. patent on communication satellites. Yeah, he's probably still holding it. I'm sure they gave you know they <laughs> have it in put it in his hands. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, that's how right. is how is that? How does it? How, you know how did, do you know how that happened? Um, no, not in any details. Um, it was yeah. very early. It was long before the, we actually had access to space. I want to say 1948, maybe we could look up the, the date on the patent. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, it was in the forties. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So people are imagining artificial satellites, but usually as residential places, right. Where, where people would go. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, Clark realized that they'd be perfect for, um, uh, for this line of sight communication problem that I was that I was describing before, um, yeah. which yeah. is that with radio you're limited to the curve um, of the Earth, so it's essentially a, right. a problem to right. to get above it. And I say it's right. probably not an accident that he's uh, Clark spends most of his um, life living in Sri Lanka, um, that little mm-hmm. island off the the tip of India, um, yeah. which is extremely difficult to get to, um, and very hard to communicate with. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he did a lot of brainstorming once he was there about how he could keep in better touch with, uh, the world. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, you know, he, uh, he worked in radar when he was much younger during, uh, World War II. Mm-hmm. During the war. Yeah. 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 He worked in radar and that got him into uh, radio. Um, uh, I remember as a kid growing up and looking through those books, like those time life books about space that had these beautiful kind of painted illustrations or cartoon illustrations. And the first satellite of course was Sputnik. Um, now I don't remember that was before my time. It was before your time time. too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 1957. That was before your time as well, Matt. Oh yes. Yeah. You know, Uh, yes, that's right. Um, but I should say people of that generation will remember that moment like you should ask yeah if uh, people who were 
kids um, will have stories of standing in their backyard and watching it go overhead. Yeah, um, yeah. As, as Gabby was saying before, that eeriness of watching a satellite go overhead, as you can imagine being one of the first people to ever see that. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that was a that was a thing. Like radios, the the news would say, if you live at such and such a place, Sputnik will go overhead at you know six thirty two p.m. tonight, right? And everybody right. in the neighborhood would go out to to watch it go overhead, right? And unlike um, modern communications satellites, it wasn't. I, I I'm sure you could bounce signals off it, and I'm sure the defense departments of the world were doing that. But it just broadcast. It was it was just like a radio transmitter. Yeah, it just said beep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just went around going beep, beep, beep. Um, so we've gone all the way from Sputnik to these massive um, rings. Another, um, well, they're not just rings. How do you? So, Gabby, you're looking at the map. How would you describe? Like when you look at all the orbits of all the satellites mapped out, it doesn't look like rings. How? Yeah, how it you, looks like a net. So a net when they first yeah. go up, you'll have like a cluster that then spreads out into a line. And then that line keeps spreading out until then it's sort of a ring around the earth. But then there's right. all of these multiple crisscrossing lines. So it winds up looking very much like a net, right. um, which is sort of what inspired this if to begin with, because it's very comprehensive. Like, sure, when you actually get down to the nitty gritty of the fact that these are millions of miles apart, not millions, but, you know, it's a decent number of miles between each satellite, yeah. it makes it look less intimidating than when you're just sort of staring at a map of the earth. And then there's this sort of super villain esque net <laughs> yeah. of satellites around everywhere, <laughs> but the poles. Yeah. 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 It kind of looks like a, looks like a buckyball or something. If you know what that is, it looks, it's like a geodesic sphere around the earth. Now that's talking about the orbits where they, draw lines between all the satellites, which make it look like that. Um, but um, if you, if, if the, so it's as if the net, we can imagine the net growing and growing and growing in scale until, Gabby, what, what do you imagine maybe when there's an enormous number of, of these satellites up there? What might you see when you look up at the sky at night? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, I'm kind of dialing this up a lot, right? Because yeah, right yeah. now, these things have the advantage of the fact that they're pretty small as far as satellites go. And although there's a number of them, they're still relatively spread out when you consider the scale of the Earth. Um, so I'm imagining a sort of much more dense than what we have right now situation. I think there's something like less than 5,000, you know, like maybe like 4,500 satellites currently mm -hmm. in orbit. I'm imagining, like, let's dial this up to, like, 50,000 yeah. kind of, like, you know, like a much yeah. more intense number. Yeah. Um, and in a situation like that, what I kind of see is, you know, you can always sort of constantly looking up at the sky, track satellites going places. You see these things sort of moving constantly. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many we'd have to get. Actually, this is a question for Matt because I was thinking about this as we were, like, going through the if. You know, if you consider like the surface area of low Earth orbit, which I know it's, you know, a range mm. there's of, of altitudes, but it's right. larger than the Earth's because it's, you know, further away from the surface of the Earth. So if yeah. the Earth has a surface area of almost like 200 million miles or something like that, mm. you know, this is a considerable distance that we'd have to like jam with satellites to make any appreciable yeah. impact yeah. on the night sky. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's right. And one of the the challenges with stacking them up is that um, they have to be in motion. Um, and so, you know, if you imagine them going kind of a, a chain of pearls type thing, um, you can get probably a, a few thousand in one single orbit. Um, and then your intuition might say, well, I'll just put the next one, you know, an inch north of that and then uh -huh, have another uh -huh. ring. Um, the problem is that that's a different orbit. So that requires oh, a yeah. different speed and angle. So the problem gets complicated really fast um, because you can't just stack them up in the way that you might intuitively think of that. So um, it's not that like every band, you, can, you can't just add another band, um, but you have to change the angle of the motion as well. So it actually becomes this crazy kind of three-dimensional gyroscope type thing where the, the rings are intersecting at, at different weird angles. Yeah. Um, uh, and the big danger here is that one satellite is going to whack into another, um, yeah. and then, uh, the debris from that hits another one and that creates more debris and that goes on. Um, and this is one of the, the big worries of people who think about satellite orbits. Um, cause once you get the debris, it's very hard to clear it out. Yeah. Um, because yeah. it's traveling at you know, huge speeds. Yeah. So you get what's called a, a Kessler cascade. Um, oh, it's a uh, really good name for something that's going to be really terrifying. Isn't that a cool name? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so it's, you know, if you imagine a, a car accident on a, a crowded highway where everybody's going 70 miles an hour, yeah. um, it just takes one little fender bender. Um, but then that hits the next one, hits the next one, hits the next one. Um, yeah. and you get a pileup. So it's a pileup like that in space. So that, um, the likelihood of a Kessler cascade is going to increase dramatically the more stuff we put up there. And also right. the effect of any given Kessler, Kessler cascade is going to be bigger and bigger as well. Yeah. Um, so we're increasingly playing with fire, um, as we get, uh, so it seems like we're reaching, like there will eventually be a sort of functional limit to the number of satellites that we can get up there. Not mm -hmm. like, a, we physically are out of surface area yeah, to right. stick satellites on, but rather that we're running out of space where we can put them where they're not going to just immediately slam into each other. Yeah. Exactly right. And this um, this is a uh, one of the weird side effects of access to space um, becoming easier is that once upon a time when there were like three people three countries that could put um, right. uh, satellites into orbit, um, you, you knew who was putting up where. And, you know, the Russians could call the French and say, look, we're going to be putting up an or a satellite near your satellite. So, you know, watch yeah. it. Yeah. Um, uh, but now, like when Elon Musk just wants to toss some satellites up there, um, he does that. <laughs> and, right, and there's right. no there's no power or organizing body that tells people where they can and can't put satellites. Um, so once we get to uh, once um, you know space access gets easy enough that Bolivia can just put up a satellite when it feels like it, yep. um, it's inevitable that somebody is going to put one up in a bad orbit that causes right. trouble. Right, uh, and then and then perhaps not just one, but a multitude of them. You know, so you just everyone's putting up batches of these things. Um, uh, I tell you, the, the highway metaphor was really interesting because I could imagine imagine a huge seventy car pileup. But the the to continue the um, analogy here, it's as if you have this huge seventy car pileup on the highway, and the whole pile keeps moving at yes, seventy miles right. an hour, <laughs> or at some speed. You know, it just keeps going down the highway and just. 
collecting more and more cars. Yeah, this is, right. by the way, <laughs> beautifully illustrated in the movie Gravity. Um, oh yeah, that's right. That's, that's a Kessler Cascade. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was Where, thinking about that movie the other day, not because I was watching Gravity, but because I was watching Moonfall, which is much worse, but starts <laughs> off very much like Gravity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh. but in, in Gravity, one of these things gets going, basically a huge pile of rubble. Um, I think it's started by, and actually this is another way to think about it, it isn't necessarily even that one satellite accidentally bumps into another, but you do have asteroids, you do have micrometeorites or larger passing through the cloud. And, and it, you know, all it takes is one micrometeorite or one macrometeorite <laughs> to uh, hit a satellite, damage it, and send it careening off course where it then bumps into another and bumps into another. Um, by the way, just real quick, one thing we had, one set of satellites that we haven't touched on, and they were one of the early nets of satellites around the Earth are the GPS satellites. Oh, yeah. um, mm -hmm. can you, Matt? I assume, Matt, you maybe have some familiarity with what is how does that net of GPS satellites work? Um, so that's the the global positioning system, um, mm -hmm. which is these series of satellites that uh, allows you on the surface of the earth to locate yourself precisely um originally designed for military maneuvers and cruise missiles to find their targets and now we use it to you know get to the nearest starbucks <laughs> um uh and the way that that works is we don't need to go into to too much detail on this um but the gps unit um uh looks up in the sky electronically for um uh, for these satellites, uh, this network of satellites, and measures its location relative to one of the satellites and then relative to another and then as many satellites as it can connect to. Mm -hmm. And then the combination of all of those different locations tells you very precisely uh, where you are on the surface of the Earth. Right. Um, and because it's a, you know, it's um, because it was originally a military system, there's some redundancy. So, but as, as long as you can contact, I think, two satellites, you can get a good reading. Right. Um, uh, but if um, orbits start getting crowded, then it's going to be harder and harder to to access those. Especially, I should say, is because um, right now the GPS system that's up there um, is the American system. Uh -huh. um, but uh, that means, for instance, the United States could turn it off whenever they feel like. Right. <laughs> and right. That might be right. inconvenient. Right. Um, so there's a serious incentive for other countries to put up their own GPS system so yeah. that they can control that. Yeah. So I can well imagine that in the next 20 years, um, there are several systems up there all competing with each other. Yeah. And there have been satellites up there. I know the Chinese have done it, but I'm guessing others have done it as well. Uh, that shoot other tele shoot other satellites um, yeah. for nefarious purposes. And I can imagine one thing that would happen is when you have a massive net, first of all, it makes you a little bit safer because you have a zillion of these satellites going around. So if one or two drop out, as in fact, I, I think they do by just, you know, normal faults of maintenance or their batteries die or things like that. Um but you're going to need, you know, if you're really determined to uh, disable a bunch of satellites through projectiles or something, you're going to have to take out a lot of them, and that's going to start a arms race in the uh, yeah, in that's the right. Net. And you don't even have to do this with satellites. So there's ground-based missiles um, to to take out satellites oh. as well. Um, wow! You, you often strap them to um, fighter jets. And then the jets Whoa. fly up and, and launch the rocket. You've really uh, got a good understanding of this. 
Very interesting. I can neither confirm nor deny that I know a lot about how to shoot down. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's in his backyard with a telescope and a, yeah. a little one of those thing. like rockets, like oh, just get a yeah. little bit closer. Yeah, yeah, and one of those those uh, cat lasers. You know, yeah, that's right. Um, but I think one of the the upshots of this is that the more stuff we put into orbit, um, makes it increasingly likely that either by accident or by intent that um, satellites are going to get wrecked, and then that yeah. wreckage creates more wreckage, and eventually um, the orbital space around Earth is going to be full of garbage. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this is this actually this is actually a problem that people have given some thought to. What's the best way to to get this garbage out of orbit? Yeah. Um, uh, so soon, and by soon I mean I don't know, probably within our lifetimes, uh, we're going to need regular garbage cleanup. Yeah. In orbit, um, yeah. if we want to keep putting up more stuff. Yeah, we've already had even situations. I remember one of the um, SpaceX. Uh, uh, human missions that was going to the space station. I can't remember which one. Um, I think it was them. Anyway, one of the SpaceX missions in a Crew Dragon capsule uh, had to wait, had to sit, um, had to pause its you know travels uh, to wait for a traveling object that they didn't know what it was. N- nobody knew what it was. It was you know just some piece of uh, space okay. junk mm-hmm. that was flying by, and they believed it was small enough that it wouldn't cause too much damage or they believed that it was on a path where it wouldn't intersect the rocket but just to be safe you know they decided to wait um yeah and i should say it's um waiting in orbit is really hard um because mm, you, right. you, by, by right. definition you have to be in motion to stay right. in orbit right um so it's not like you're driving on the highway and you can just stop and wait for something to go that's right um, that's you right. have to move into a new orbit um, if you want to, to avoid whatever that thing is, right. um, which then changes your whole future plan of where you're going to be and yeah. say, if someone else has their satellite up, assuming that you're going to be in a particular orbit and you suddenly right. change yours to avoid somebody else's right. and that first person doesn't know that you have changed. Um, so they think you're in a different place and then they run into you. Right. Yep. Um, yeah. This is yep. how stuff gets bad. Orbital dynamics, very complicated. Um, and so, as we do on what the if we now leap forward and we i imagine that the next thing that would happen is to avoid all the chaotic meandering about that that becomes like bumper cars in space um the satellites begin to attach themselves to each other and therefore can main, you know maintain the same distance um and the net begins to enclose and we jump all the way to the point where we have we now have a solid shell around the earth that's a really crazy looking thing because it's made of zillions of different kinds of pieces so it's a very uh very um dizzying looking object um but gabby how do you how do you imagine this now (laughs) affected life uh on earth oh my god a lot so um it's completely (laughs) solid yeah so there's no sunlight getting in Oh, right. Of course. Right. That's a problem. Right. 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 So we're dependent on, you know, um, uh, the satellites passing. So, right. They either have to put holes in it or the satellites are absorbing the solar energy and then beaming it down, which actually is, that is one suggestion, right? That is a thing that is pondered. Yeah. Yeah. Solar power that's beamed down, collected in space and beamed down to earth. Yeah. Good point. Go. and, And then what? 
Yeah, so um, if we've somehow gotten around the complete loss of uh, <laughs> of the sun, yeah. of the sun which yeah. uh, if anybody remembers their, you know, elementary school biology happens to be very important for a thing called life on Earth. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's, it's worth it. We get better internet. I mean, who can complain? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I am immediately curious about a couple of things, right? So... Yeah. Not only do animals have habits based on the time of day, we do too. Um, Seasonal depression is a big thing. Um, Essentially, when it's winter and it starts getting darker and there's less sunlight, humans get depressed. Um, And now, essentially, we have that 24-7. Right. Um, Also, by the way, increased internet usage causes depression as well. Yeah, so we are are a little bit messed up here on planet Earth. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm... I guess is the sort of solution around it. I'm thinking of sort of like the, uh, like of um, foundation, the planet in foundation. Mm, I don't remember mm-hmm. the name of the empire's like main planet, but it was. Trentor? Is that right? Trent, yeah, that, sounds, that sounds yeah, right. Something something like that. That. It sounds yeah. like a sort of old school science fiction name. <laughs> yeah. On Trantor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, on Trantor, um, it's essentially there's many people who can't see the sun because they've made, they've gone subterranean to fit large populations. Ah, So they broadcast essentially screens of daylight, of nighttime sky, um, to sort of give the appearance that you're actually looking at the sky, despite the fact that you're not. Um, So I'm kind of imagining that maybe the flip side of some of these satellites, if they are such a big net, they have to do some sort of um, holographic kind of work. Yeah. 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 That'd be cool. Yeah. In the, one of Alistair Reynolds' books um, has, uh, I think it's actually um, it's in the Revenger series, um, the one about the two sisters flying who are pirates in space. Anyway, one of the planets there um, is rings, nested rings, like a Russian, you know, a Russian nesting doll thing. Of so, there's the surface of the planet, and then there's a uh, a solid sphere above that, and then another solid sphere around that and another one around that and each one of them on the floor of each one of them which is the ceiling of the one below there is a sky projection so it's just nested you know and, and nested lifestyle that's great you um, probably have to so people don't go crazy yeah yeah i exactly. think that one of the other things i'm curious about matt you might be able to speak to this but it would mess up the weather wouldn't it not oh, just like yeah. having satellites up there, but not having the sun. Not having the sun. Not yeah. having that heat directly to influence weather patterns. You'd get some yeah. real big fluctuations. Uh, yeah, or just totally shutting things down too. Um, oh. Because without that solar insulation, um, I don't know if we would have the the major wind drivers for the planet. Um, yeah. But that would be pretty disastrous too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we've got to really want our internet um, to to get to that point. The cat videos got to go. Cat. They got to. You need the cat <laughs> videos. Like and they've got to move. Got to move these cat videos. Um, I can imagine what happens. Actually, I just had a thought that one way the whole nested planet, nested spheres kind of thing might develop is that you know, with, without as humans do, I can imagine this sphere that surrounds the entire Earth happening because no one was paying attention, right? That is mm-hmm. just it's just uncontrolled development as happens in cities, for instance. Um, and you can look at some of the, the current cities in China where they just expand and they just grow and grow and grow and grow and as happened in the U.S. for a long time. Um, 
So this entire sphere, suddenly we realize, oh, wow, it's solidifying. <laughs> and so everybody moves up to live on the sphere. But then they need internet. And so they end up so building they another sphere. Another sphere <laughs> and that's how it keeps... Recursive sphere yeah, building. Yeah. Right. yeah. And we uh, just, after a few generations, forget that there was ever a surface to the Earth. And we just keep building out. That's right. That's right. That's right. Now, if this entire ring were habitable, by the way, that would be pretty cool. It reminds me of the Larry Niven book, Ring World, although it wouldn't be a ring. It would, you know, what we're talking about here, by the way, is not so far off from a Dyson sphere. Yeah, it's yeah. just a planetary Dyson sphere. Right. Yeah. It's a bad, <laughs> that's a bad yeah. Dyson sphere. Yeah. Um, and I should say, we would eventually go for rings. There's a reason that they're, they're rings in, in Larry Niven's stories, is because those ah. are um, orbitally stable in a way that spheres are not. Oh, um, interesting, right. So we'd almost certainly go for a ring after the first sphere. But. Right, right. So, And when the sphere starts to wobble... Then you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> you really are going to get trouble wobbling around the Earth. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to freeze it right there. And uh, uh, those of you who are Patreon supporters, by the way, the if will continue in the, uh, in the bonus content that comes afterwards. But I hope those of you, if, if you're not a Patreon member... You're not up for that. I hope you enjoyed this uh, this episode as well. Um, what, what is Patreon? Um, Patreon is a place where you can uh, become a member of what the if. You can become a super ifer um, by becoming a member. And there's tiers at all different levels. Uh, and there's all kinds of um, wearables and drinkables. Gabby, what are some of the wearables? Yeah, so we've got a, uh, I know we have a t-shirt. Wow, from yep. one of the tiers. Yeah, got a t-shirt. We got a hoodie. I was going to say, I thought there was a hoodie, but I wasn't sure if I was like overselling us. No, no, um, we got a hoodie. It is it is more of an upper tier kind of thing. As you go up in the tiers, you get you get more substant, more substantial uh, protection, life support. <laughs> from, <laughs> from the elements. Yeah, yeah. We have t-shirts, we have hoodies. Um, we also have stickers, um, and we have... Uh, what I call goblets, you might call a coffee mug, um, with uh, what the if. And all of these have the what the if logo on it, so you can share your love of the if uh, with your friends, and they can come up to you and they can go, what the if? And then you exactly. can say, what the if, back to them, and then you can explain what it is. Um, so um, thank you for, for all of those who are members. And if, you don't, if you're not a member and you haven't been familiar with it and you want to check it out, Patreon dot com slash what the if patreon.com slash what the if and you can just check out all these things no obligation check it out we also have uh what i was talking about bonus content so and we've been doing it for quite a while so there's many 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 episodes we have uh what we call the after show uh where sometimes the if continues and then we also talk about other things other issues in science other crazy things that we're doing outside of the show and things like that so again patreon.com slash what Check it out. Um, Gabby, would you help us um, complete the, the ritual that uh, we do each week here to close out the if? How do we, do we reset the universe? What, what are we supposed to do here? Yeah, so as we are staring up at our now perpetually altered sky and we are watching the last satellite fill the hole to block out the sun, <laughs> That's good. The we last cannot peg. help but shout the name of the show together in unison. 
Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for um, supporting or not supporting, as is your choice, the growth of the Earth-strangling net of communication satellites. Uh, It's been fun having you, and we'll see you next week. 